Hi, welcome to the Back to Biz School podcast. I'm your host, Brian Tse. And before we begin the podcast, I'd like to share an upcoming event co-hosted by NUS MBA Energy Club and Finance Club called Powering Up, which provides perspectives on ESG and infrastructure financing. The guest speaker is Gene Monson and will be held on the 2nd of February, 12 to 1.30 p.m. at MRB02-03. Please check your student inbox to register. Now, allow me to introduce today's guest and my course mate, Abhinaya Hari, who is currently the APEC program lead for TikTok Creator Marketing Solutions. She speaks about why she chose to pursue an MTech 10 years ago, her smart move into big data at DBS, and her meteoric rise from analyst to product manager. Let's jump right in. Hi, this is Brian from the Back to Biz School podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Ms. Abhinaya, my NUS MBA classmate, which I have the privilege of meeting. She is currently working for TikTok and obviously pursuing her NUS MBA part-time, same as me. Hi, Abhi. Hi, Brian. So, Abhi, tell us about yourself. Hmm. I've lived in Singapore for nine years now, and I used to be a data scientist, and then I was a product manager, and now I'm working in TikTok as a program lead. And mm-hmm. in my free time, I like running, cycling, and singing. Um, I hope that's enough of me. Yeah, well, that's that's very interesting. I thought you do you did dance as well, right? Like traditional Indian dance, you, you do that as well? No, no. Oh, no that's no, the one no. thing I can't do. Not yet. You're, not yet. You just... <laughs> no, if, if you're lucky, you, you won't get to see me dance. You'll forget dancing if you see me dance. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay. And yeah, when you say nine years, I, I, I realized that, yeah, um, rem- I remember there was this timeless photo of you where... You, you didn't age at all in the nine years that you were here. Because speaking of that, nine years ago, you were actually in Singapore to do... This is not your first master's, right? This is actually your Correct. second master's. So what spurred you to get like the first master's of technology? Do, do elaborate. So um, around 2013, 2014, I was working at TCS in India as a software engineer. And uh, that was the time when I was thinking I wanted to do my master's, but I had MBA as my choice. And I was preparing for the CAT exam, which is the equivalent of GMAT in uh, in in the world. And um, I was thinking I would do an MBA in India. And it so happened that my dad saw um, a shout out uh, calling for applications to NUS for their Master of Technology program focused on enterprise business analytics. And he asked me to apply it because he said analytics is going to be the future. So my dad was a visionary i would say so he still encourages me to like uh go and and try out things and he kind of knows what i i like and what i do well so once he encouraged me um i decided to apply for the program i got it and then immediately after a month i was enrolled into the program so i came to singapore via that wow that's okay that's very interesting so um, if you don't mind, I want to speak more about your dad and your relationship with your dad. It's, it's pretty cool that you have this dad who's really in tune, you know, on top of things with regards to the tech industry. Is he himself, is he in tech or? Um, he's in the manufacturing industry in India. Um, oh, wow. He started working when he was 17 years old and today he's 60 and he continues to work. Um, and while he was associated with a lot of the manufacturing giants in India, like there are a couple of notable names. Uh, he's actually, um, so 
he knows about the lean manufacturing system, quality control, etc. He's an expert of that. And he actually led his company to get a very prestigious certification that's only available for a few companies in India. So he's, he's always ahead of time. He's very knowledgeable. And usually he's the one that tells, oh, you need to do this. You know, AI is going to be the future and things like that. That's cool. That's really cool. That's very different from the typical Asian parenting that you hear in sometimes mainstream media where they're like, oh, you know, do this, do that. But actually, they're kind of like out, to, out of date. Be a doctor, be a lawyer, you know, stuff like that. Um, or else he, your dad's more, he's pretty cool. He, he knows that you're in tech. He, he, and he has like a, a good, good um, how to say, take on tech, right? And, and yeah, that's, that's really cool. Okay. So, um, and so what were your impressions of Singapore when you first came to Singapore nine years ago? Um, I remember wondering how is the city so clean and how are people like not talking to each other and just going about their way, you know, not being disruptive because in India it's impossible to cross one kilometer without talking to somebody like somebody random is going to talk to you or somebody is going to say hi somebody that you know me being a new person in the country i really wondered like how are people always glued to their phones and you know they're just going about their own work but then the thing that i really liked after one week of staying in singapore is safety um i was able to walk at you know, at 10 p.m., 12 p.m., uh, 12 a.m. without any any qualms about safety. And um, I also kind of like how advanced the nation is in terms of being really smart um, and very technologically advanced. There are cameras everywhere. So it was quite a – I felt like I came into an upgrade from India. So, yeah, that felt quite well. Okay. Oh, that's super interesting that I didn't know. In India, you walk along, people will just greet you and say hi and, and, and all that. That's like, it sounds like an introvert's nightmare. <laughs> um, you could say that because sometimes I vividly remember there are times when I've not wanted to say hi to people, but then I'm forced to do it out of you know common courtesy. Um, yeah. But if you get used to it, it's nothing like it. Like It's usually nice and people don't talk too much, hopefully. So... Mm-mm-mm. And and so tell us more about your your masters of tech. The how's the journey? You, you I'm assuming you did it full time. Yes. Yeah. It was a full time program, and the master of technology program was quite industry focused in the sense we had a we had an internship agreement where for the second semester we had to do a part time internship doing three days a week, and then for the third, which is the final semester, we had to do a full time internship with the same company. So I was able to build a good relationship with the company that I interned in at the time. And I continued to work for them part time. And I was also able to understand from their perspective how data helps, what kind of tools I need to pick up, uh, especially when I was working for a startup. And so they wanted to be able to use the student license for certain tools, etc., in order to not invest too much in, in software money. Um, and in terms of the courses itself, um, the courses were pretty good. So we had a couple of modules um, focused on computational intelligence, uh, knowledge engineering. Um, but I think the one thing that I picked up by myself is that the courses were taught in the language, like the computer programming language R. But then uh, Python was the one that was popular. So we, like the students, as we kind of like learned Python by ourselves. And then there were also some modules where some of the scripts were given to us in Python so that we could 
like um, ensure we don't spend time actually translating the language. Um, overall, I felt like the course was pretty good in terms of giving us the confidence booster we needed. And then, um, yeah, it was it was a smooth journey after. Um, could you tell us the the difference between the MTech and the MBA? I'm pretty sure there's a lot of differences, but what's the biggest one that you feel? I think the biggest one is that I'm doing this part-time. As a full-time student, I remember being so carefree and having all the time in the world to actually, you know, immerse myself into the academic world and then go out with friends, etc. Um, but then for the part-time, um, especially for the part-time uh, role that I'm uh, doing right now in my MBA, I think I have to ruthlessly prioritize and do what I want. In the first semester, it was a bit uh, difficult for me to let go of my FOMO. Uh, but now I'm a bit more composed and I'm like, okay, this is what I can do and this is what I'm going to do. And I hope there's not much of a difference there. So that's the biggest difference. But then in terms of the... Um, curriculum or in terms of the uh, the faculty etc i feel like the mba program has a lot more engagement with its students uh, more face time and uh, it's it's pretty much structured i would say and i don't know about the current mtech uh, batches that are undergoing the course right now maybe it's it's also like this but then a couple of years ago when i did my masters that wasn't the case so yeah that's mm. another difference Mm-mm. okay okay yeah i understand what you mean by fomo it's tough right we only have 24 hours a day we're already working you know eight to ten hours at least you know for our day job and then we go for work after we go for night classes but yeah i, I think it's quite fulfilling in its own way as well yeah yeah, yeah. okay so i, I do want to ask you a bit about the internship so you actually did two internships right one with dell and one with shop and box yeah. The one that you um, had more impact was the one at Shop and Box, I'm assuming, because you were there for like a lot longer. I would say that both the internships were impactful, but then uh, the second internship happened more by chance than anything else. So Shop and Box was a company that was headquartered in Australia and I was working remote out of Singapore. The founders were still in Australia and I would usually like catch up with them virtually. And I mm-hmm. remember very vividly the first ever business trip that I had was when I was an intern here. So I had to fly to Kuala Lumpur to meet the tech team, uh, I think in August 2015, when I just started out with this company as an intern. So I had mm-hmm. my flight at, I think, 7 a.m. And then I reached Kuala Lumpur's, uh, our office at 9 a.m. And mm-hmm. I was in the office working with the CTO until 6 p.m. And then I had to catch a 10 p.m. flight back. It was one of the most hectic days. And I realized that this is how business trips might be in the future. So um, it was good because the team was pretty spread out. And within, I think, six months of coming to Singapore, I understood that remote working could be like a very good possibility in terms of working style and something that would also work for me. And as a part of my internship, uh, I was doing dashboards. I was doing data pools. I was doing insights, presentations, etc. Uh, going all through the, the data spectrum. And mm-hmm. in terms of the second internship, Dell, it mostly happened by chance because at that time, everybody was looking for full-time roles in my cohort um, mm-hmm. as we were going to graduate in July uh, 2016. And so I decided to not put myself there because there's going to be a lot of people looking. And so I decided to look for an internship instead. I was okay to start mm-hmm. my full-time role a, a couple months late because another internship mm-hmm. would definitely boost uh, my resume and ha- make me have an edge over 
the rest of the cohort. So I landed mm-hmm. this internship and I completed it. Oh, I, I actually did, did that from May to July. Um, and then as soon as I completed that, I kind of understood that data in startups is not equal to data in big companies. There are a lot mm-hmm. of access issues. There are a lot of like scheduling queries to actually let the data run, especially if it's for a long time. And then there's a lot of unclean data. So that was a great learning to have before I started my full-time work. And also for me as a student to set my expectations in terms of what I am expected to do once I again join a big or a small company. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've really preluded a lot of what I want to do. My next question, which is that, so you finally, your first full-time job after the Masters of Tech was in DBS as a data scientist. And that's, that's right. what you say. I think luckily, I won't say luckily, but you know, smartly, you went for that Dell internship, which really gave you, as what you said, the difference between startup data and, you know, MNC data. So, but tell us slightly more about how you managed to get that role? How do you manage to get that job? And knowing that, and how do you know that big data was, you know, going to be big? It was really all the rage during that time, but people were still a bit sleeping on it. And now data is like almost compulsory, right? What's what's AI without without data? So how do you get the job? And how do you know data was going to be as big as it was? Um, honestly, uh, a recruiter approached me for the role. And then I had an interview, a round of interview, and then I was told it was going to be a contract role, but then the client would be DBS. So I was contracted via a third-party agency. Um, and the role was pretty good because it I already had a bit of like um, operational experience. I knew like what it would be like to be in, in banking because I have a couple of my um, relatives working in banks um, and I know how much mm. they struggle with paperwork. Um, so when I took up the role, I was pretty excited because I was going to actually be the only person that knew Python and I would have to mm. automate or change a lot of scripts from traditional um, language like SAS. Like they had SAS mm. as a tool, SAS, which is a mm. pro- which is a proprietary tool. You have to pay a shit ton of money to actually uh, get the license for that. And then they actually wanted somebody who can convert these SAS scripts into Python, which will be free of cost and easy to maintain with a small tech team. So um, I was open to all kinds of coding because I really love coding and I wanted to like get better at it. And when I joined the team, it was a, it was a pretty nice team. And my first role was to actually manage a big data project. And that's when I realized like how much big data is going to change the future. Like, for example, the project that I handled was actually, you know, all the ATMs and the cash deposit machines that you have all around Singapore. So those machines, every time you press a button or you actually request for a type of transaction, it actually generates a log in the back. Mm -hmm. So it's going to have the sequence of steps that uh, take for you to actually get your cash or deposit your cash successfully or unsuccessfully. And so the project was to actually structure these logs and then make sure that I can put them into data tables that say, this is a transaction, This it happened at this time, it happened at this location, etc. There won't be any customer data, but it's going to be a series of transactions or logs that happened from um, the start of the day to the end of the day, which is pretty much 24-7. So um, to give you an idea of how much data that is, it was more than 2 GB to 3 GB of data one day. 
And uh, we were supposed to like ingest that log data and then write a script to actually extract the useful parts out of it and then put it into tables. So I worked with a tech team for that. And that was my first real shocker in terms of like how much you can do with data. Like, for example, if something goes wrong with the ATM machine, it's easy for us to reconcile looking at these transactions to know, okay, so this is when this issue happened and these are the transactions impacted and this is what we can do. So um, I kind of knew then and there that big data was going to change the world, but then it also depended on how people know in terms of like using the data to get what they want. And it's also easy to make mistakes. And when you automate them, if you make a mistake, it's going to be super costly especially when it's yeah. covered late. So, yeah. Yeah. I can't, wow. I can't, wow. When you say two to three gigs, that's a lot of data because it's just text. It's just yes. two to three gigs worth of text, right? There's no images. Yes. There's no video. So, I, wow. And that's just, it's, but that's the whole country's ATM, I assume, or just one ATM. I don't quite remember, um, but I think it should be, it should be the whole country's. Uh, it should be whole DBSS country. ATMs. DBSS ATMs the, the, around. The whole network. The whole yeah. network, right? But still, like after a month, you have like, like nearly hundred gig of data. That's 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 crazy. But but yeah, it's good that you you had that that foresight. And so so you were you were in DBS or you know working for the DBS uh data division for like two years, right? I saw roughly about two years. So and then you jump to Coda Payments. So so what what made you go to that jump? Um, I was. I think I kind of like started getting um, the same kind of work, I would say, in, in the sense that uh, we were doing automation and then I moved to the data science uh, team uh, within operations where we were actually doing a lot of cool projects. But then I realized that um, I wanted to have more breadth-first experience than depth-first experience in the sense that um, there's a lot more I can do from a business perspective rather than actually doing more technical things. And so when the opportunity of Coda came up, I realized um, that I would be the only analyst in the company at that point. And so I would get to work with all of the functions in the company and also work with the growing data that they have. So they were they were growing very fast at that point of time when I joined. And so I knew that I would be in a position to actually be able to contribute to this growth and also observe this growth from a data and a business perspective and up my knowledge of actually seeing how companies work, et cetera, especially given that there were around 20 or 30 people at the time in Singapore. So I decided to make this switch and um, it was a bit, I would say I was very sad when I was leaving DBS because I loved the work there and then um, also the team. But then I realized that knowing more business and knowing or working with more functions actually made me a lot more excited than I was in the current role. And so I decided to switch. Mm -mm -mm. Was, I think it was a very good um, decision because in the three years that you were there, um, you actually grew from business analyst. You started as a business analyst and you left as a product manager. Very, very impressive. So uh, do, do, do tell us, how do, you, how do you manage to climb the ranks, you know, like beat the rat race and all that stuff? I owe it to the company to actually uh, give me the chances that they gave me. It made me really grow as a person as well as as a, as a professional. So when I was a business analyst, I used to work with all the teams. Like I used to work with marketing. I used to work with the leadership team, with uh, business development. 
and then also with engineering to actually like help them with any data related query and i wasn't shy about wanting any kind of special work because i wanted to learn how these functions work and how they actually consume data so um as a part of me working with all of these people i think i built excellent relationships all around the org that was one and the second one was that knowing how they did things with and without data and me also kind of helping them get the right data or right metrics to actually go and pitch to their external stakeholders kind of like laid the foundation in terms of them trusting me to actually handle uh, any request that comes so um i think when i um I, when i was promoted to senior business analyst i was leading a team and i realized that leading a team is not quite as easy as it looks it's a lot of responsibility you need to groom the people under you and you need to keep grooming yourself as well and your day to day changes a lot in the sense you don't take up uh, ic work you give it to your team and then you actually empower them to actually become better ics so after a while i kind of felt that i myself had to grow a lot more so the team became a bit flat and that's when i became consumer analytics manager where I felt that I had enough product and enough data uh, data um knowledge that I didn't want to do only data work anymore I I actually wanted to be a bit more analytics initiatives oriented in terms of like thinking what are the initiatives we can do and how is it going to help the company um from from a say one year to three year perspective and when i started doing that i kind of like felt and everybody around me also acknowledged that my product understanding was was very good and ever since i joined the company so i was reporting to the director of product at the time when i joined the company and the first thing i remember telling them telling him was um, that the product team is amazing and that i would love to be a product manager at some point of time so when i got oh. the chance i took it and um i think initially i struggled a bit in terms of like understanding how uh, the standups work and uh, how you have to uh, be there to actually clarify the the questions of engineers how you have to write jira tickets etc but once i learned that it was it was pretty nice and i felt like i was doing quite a lot of impactful work there Mm mm I I think yeah I, it sounds super interesting your your journey from you know just you know just engineering mtech and then going to to DBS being da- doing data and then being a business analyst in Coda and and being a manager and then now being not now but at at the end when you left uh being a product manager it's super super interesting thanks for this and that's the first half of the interview join us next week as Abhinaya talks about her time in TikTok one of our proudest projects and an advice for anyone starting in tech this has been the back to biz school podcast bye for now